You're listening to Central Time. I'm Rob Barrett. This winter, home heating costs in the Midwest are projected to be 21% less than last winter, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. But even with that drop, Wisconsinites can expect one of the most expensive winters on record. Our next guest is a household utility expert with information on how the energy market could impact our heating bills and what resources are available for people who want to save money or need help meeting their energy bills. You could join in at 800-642-1234. Is your heating bill manageable during the winter? What steps do you take to be energy efficient? Do you have any secret energy-saving hacks you want to share with everybody? Call in at 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234 or email ideas at WPR.org. Tom Content is Executive Director for the Citizens Utility Board of Wisconsin, the state's consumer advocate for residential and small business utility customers. Tom, welcome back to Central Time. Oh, Rob, great to be back. Great to be with you. So give us some more perspective. Sounds like good news down from last winter, but last winter was kind of bad. Yeah, last winter was bad. Uh, We had a whole bunch of things socking us all at once last year, Um, and it wasn't just the weather. Um, It was natural gas prices actually tripled last year. Um, and that's what that, uh, the, the war in Ukraine, a whole bunch of other factors, including uh, U.S. exports increasing of natural gas was kind of making for tight supply. And that really drove up the prices and actually really led to a pretty expensive winter, uh, winter season. Uh, this winter, maybe not quite as bad, but still, um, the analysis we we put at, we published recently fr- from the uh, National Energy Assistance Directors Association showed that it still could be the second highest and second most expensive winter of the last ten years. And is uh, what's driving it is that natural gas prices aren't as uh, astronomically high, but still pretty high. Still a carryover effect, I think, from from those higher prices. You know, natural gas prices have come down uh, markedly, even though the war in Ukraine is still going on and there, there is a, a natural gas, um, the whole Nord Stream pipeline issue was, was one of the factors, uh, issues that, that cropped up during, during that conflict. Um, and, uh, but we're, that's one of the factors. And then even for, for homeowners who use other forms of heat, um, this still could be one of the highest because um, most of Wisconsin, uh, most across the state, most Wisconsin residents do use natural gas for heat, but especially in the rural areas, people tend to use propane, um, and some folks actually still use heating oil or electricity. Um, and for propane, propane prices because crude oil, those are dependent on crude oil prices, so those heating costs are also supposed to be. Uh, high and actually um, more expensive than even for the natural, much more expensive than natural gas itself. How much of this is a straight line between, you know, this is what fuel costs, so this is what we pay versus a utility rate increases that uh, might or might not vary based on the costs of production? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really good point. Mo- on the heating, so there really it's two, you get, even though you have one, ut- a lot of people get one utility bill from, from one utility there's the heating side, there's the natural gas side and the electric side. And so the natural gas side, that's driven primarily by that price of the natural gas and also how cold the winter is. That That's a real, if we have a warmer than expected winter and fingers crossed, um, the national outlook for the upper Midwest is calling for a warmer than normal winter, um, then that could actually ease up on that side. 
But on the electric side of the bill, and this is where Cub does most of its work, uh, we're really looking at a, a whopper of an increase for, for most utility customers across the state. In fact, um, the utilities are right now in for about a half a billion dollars worth of increases. And um, so we're hopeful that the Public Service Commission will um, follow Cub's uh, recommendations and really rein those price increases in when they start making those decisions uh, in the next, actually starting tomorrow morning in Madison. Yeah, the utilities making the case that, hey, they're investing in clean energy for the future. They have other costs. They're dealing with inflation like everybody else. Uh, why shouldn't they be able to get these rate increases? You know, the, it's true that the, the, that the solar power, the transition to clean energy over time is projected to actually produce savings because the price of solar energy has really dropped dramatically over the last five and 10 years. Um, but what's what the challenge is that we're building so much and it's hitting our bills right at the same time when we're still uh, reliant a lot on coal fired power and natural gas fired power. So uh, as well as nuclear. So there are so many things hitting all at once. And that's where um, Cubs Cubs point in these cases is really to for the customers to think about the average customer and think about those who are really struggling to to make ends meet and we're highlighting the issue of utility profits because the profits of of Wisconsin and actually utilities across the country have been allowed to remain far too high for a long time and it's time to right that wrong and if if the public service commission agrees with cub in these decisions over the next few weeks um, Wisconsinites could see savings of over $125 million over the next couple of years. Talking to Tom Content with the Citizens Utility Board of Wisconsin, looking at our winter heating and energy bills. You can join in at 800-642-1234. We're going to get into some advice for saving money on those bills and look at uh, help that might be out there for people who have trouble paying, you could join in at 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234. Tom, for that person who's, uh, you know, maybe having a tough time making ends meet and that uh, heating bill in particular is getting out of hand, what kind of help, what kind of options are available to them here in Wisconsin? So the first thing we recommend, and, and this is really important, um, two two main things. One is make sure you're on a, everybody sh- who's, concerned about the the fluctuations in their energy bills from winter to summer should get on a budget billing program, which evens out those bills over the 12 months. So you're not socked with a giant bill one month and then no, and then very small bills in the spring or the uh, fall. Uh, the other thing for, for folks who really are having a tough time, they should reach out to their utility if they're behind on their bills to make sure they get on a payment plan. Um, and they should, and then also there's a, a lot of, considerable amount of federal money that's available uh, in terms of energy, federal and state energy assistance and um, energybenefit.wi.gov is a good link for people to go to because that's a one-stop place where you can apply for energy assistance. And what we found over time is that more people are eligible for energy assistance than actually sign up and get it. Spray on a caller at 800-642-1234. Larry is with us in Janesville. Larry, hi. Hi. I uh, heat with wood pellets. I buy my wood pellets ahead in the season. I just wonder if there was any uh, help with uh, purchasing those. Uh, Larry, uh, are you in a position where that's, you know, it's a hardship to, to stock up on those wood pellets? 
Well, it's $1,500 now for the season. Sure. Larry, thanks for the call. Tom, uh, for the federal heating assistance you mentioned, is it uh, agnostic as far as how we heat, whether it's electric, natural gas, or like Larry, uh, wood pellets? I believe uh, it's you're, you're eligible to apply if you have if you are um, income eligible, um, but I don't know the specifics on wood on on the uh, self generated heat versus mm-hmm. utility utility or propane heat. But I I think assistance programs are still are still el- uh, available. And the other thing to take advantage of uh, that uh, f- both both uh, the, the for uh, your older homes. Um, not sure exactly how new Larry's home is, but there are weatherization funds available for people who are struggling to make ends meet. But I don't know specific uh, rebates or discounts on on the pellets. Larry, thanks a lot for that call. We're talking to Tom Content, Executive Director of the Citizens Utility Board of Wisconsin, about what we can expect from our utility bills this winter. Coming up, we'll get advice on saving some energy, keeping that heat uh, inside the house. You could join in at 800 642 1234. Do you have trouble paying for your utilities? Do you want some advice or have some advice to share on a weatherizing for the winter? Join in at 800 642 1234. That's 800 642 1234 or email ideas at wpr.org. We'll pick up the conversation coming up here on Central Time. You're listening to Central Time. I'm Rob Verrett. We continue our conversation with Tom Content, Executive Director of the Citizens Utility Board of Wisconsin, the state's consumer advocate for residential and small business utility customers, talking about what our heating bills might look like this winter and how we can save money on those bills. You can join in at 800 642 Do you have questions about utilities and heating costs for the upcoming winter? Have you ever taken advantage of uh, energy bill assistance or rebates for efficiency improvements in your house? Do you uh, look for those focus on energy appliances? Join in at 800 642 That's 800 642 Tom, let's start uh, getting into conservation, uh, saving energy, and thereby saving money. What is some of the low-hanging fruit that people might start looking for around their houses or apartments? Yeah, so the first thing we always talk about is make if you may be eligible for a time-of-use rate, which is kind of a nights and weekends that the price is cheaper. So if you can shift your, your energy intensive behaviors just a bit, whether you're washing dishes. I think we lost Tom there. We'll see if we can get him back. Um, oh, there we go. Tom, you're back. Go ahead. Am I back? You can are. You hear me now? I hear you, Tom. Go for it. All right. So the first thing we talk about is, um, is getting on a nights and weekends rate with your local utility. It's called time of, also called time of use. And that gives you discounts at nighttime to uh, if you are able to shift your en- most energy intensive uh, activities around the house, like washing your dishes or laundry to the evening hours or early morning hours. And especially for those with electric vehicles for charging those at home, um, you can see some considerable savings. And another big low cost thing is thanks to our state focus on energy program, they have free energy packs that are just uh, everybody in Wisconsin who's a uh, most almost every utility customer in the state can get one of these free energy saving packs every single year. So you could get one now. Um, they actually have one that's uh, that's called 
a focus on prepping for sweater weather, which is where we are right now after the big chill that's just come in. So that's kind of a focus on comfort. It's got insulation materials. It's got weather stripping, different things. Um, and then and then even if you get that pack now, you, after January 1, you could get a, either a different focus pack, either for your bat, for, uh, energy saving devices for your bathroom or your showers. So uh, all Wisconsin residents are paying in to support this program that provides rebates to, to help us save on energy. And so it's this is a low a no cost thing that they provide. They provide discounts also for on you know energy efficient appliances and furnaces. But this is a free thing that we just want ev- to everybody to know about and take advantage of. Let's go back to our callers. Mike is with us in Madison. Mike, hi. Um, hi. Um, this past summer, uh, we decided to do a little something about, we live in an old farmhouse, and the, and the thing, uh, it takes a lot of propane to heat up, uh, keep warm in the winter, and we decided to do something about it, so we uh, uh, we put in about two more feet of uh, insulation in the attic and had everything sealed, but uh, we also replaced our, our furnace with a, with a heat pump, and uh, we picked this particular uh, model of heat pump because we were told that it would qualify for a, uh, a rebate from a Wisconsin program. Uh, so once the heat pump was installed and we got the paperwork from the uh, uh, contractor, we submitted it to uh, the agency and uh, they rejected it. They said that the, uh, the heat pump did not qualify for the oh. program. So we're just kind of wondering if, you know, is there any way to appeal this or is there, a, you know, there are other avenues that uh, we can look into? Mike, thanks for the call. There are various kind of products like those uh, heat pumps that Mike mentioned that might qualify for a rebate. Tom, in a situation where somebody uh, went in thinking they're going to get a rebate, is there a recourse if it's rejected the first time around? Uh, I, I, I don't know of one, but I would certainly, um, I would certainly try that. Um, there, there are also tax credits that are available right now, thanks to the inflation reduction act for upgrades to your home, including, um, including, uh, getting an energy assessment as well as, uh, um, boy, there are, I know there are, there are going to be heat, heat rebates on heat pumps, um, that are going to be uh, are now are available probably starting next year uh, through the Inflation Reduction Act. Our state public service commission still has to finalize the rules on that. I'm really sorry to hear that that uh, that didn't exist because I know you're you're doing the right thing to save money for your for your home and 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 improve the comfort. Heat heat pump technology has come a long way for, and is working much better in cold climates. Um, there were uh, heat pumps have been popular around the country and are now United we're now starting to see them getting deployed uh, in the northern climates too. Um, I, reach, I would I would reach out to the cu- customer service team at Focus and and give it another shot, but I I can't make guarantees on that. Mike, good luck as you work through that. We'll go to Samara in northwestern Wisconsin. Samara, hi. Hey, noon. Can you hear me? Okay. Loud and clear. What did you want to tell us about? Sure. Um, I'm the program manager at Wisconsin's K-12 Energy Education Program, which is one of the programs of the Wisconsin Center of Environmental Ed. And I was just calling in to remind listeners that our students, our K-12 students who are at home with us, can be really great advocates and allies for energy efficiency and conservation in our homes, because we know that they're learning about this at school through the professional development that we provide to their teachers, as well as the lessons Um, that teachers can get from us and the free lending kits that we have. And uh, educators and families can learn more about it at keepprogram.org. 
Thanks a lot for that call. Tom, can you talk about getting uh, the word out about our energy efficiency options? Oh, sure. I mean, that's a great program. There are so many, so many good programs out there and, and, and just like Focus is out there. And I encourage people to go to the Focus on website. They should actually have a list of all the incentives that are available. Um, but that's a really, that's a really great educational initiative. And, and it's just, it's just so important because, um, the, the kids can teach us a lot, can't they? Um, and and I think that's that's really critical. I know when I was back at the Journal Sentinel, we did a story about if if everybody in the in their house, everybody went around their house and made sure they turned off the lights when they leave the room, and they you know replaced their light bulbs with LEDs uh, with their five their uh, most frequently used lights in the house with LEDs. Um, the whole uh, the whole state would see significant savings on their energy bill energy bills, and we'd have to build fewer power plants as a result and reduce our carbon footprint all at the same time. Thanks a lot for that call at eight hundred six four two one two three four. Talking to Tom Content from the Citizens Utility Board of Wisconsin, looking at the upcoming heating season upcoming the currently existing heating season here in wisconsin and some energy saving alternatives still time for you to join in at 800-642-1234 tom something i saw this made me feel pretty good now i've uh for years been uh you know pulling curtains up and down right let the sun in when it's cold block the sun out you know when i have the air conditioner on vice versa to keep the heat in at night and i thought you know is this really making a difference yes apparently according to uh, the advice on your website Oh, that's right. We put that out on our blog, and that's something you know we do at our house. Um, is you, the sun is a powerful? <laughs> it's a powerful force, right? Um, and and even on a cold, uh, even on a cold day, that some that sunlight can really can really um, bring it, bring in some some radiance and some warmth, um, and it helps it helps your helps your mindset at the at the same time on those cold winter days but that's a really good one another thing there are actually energy saving thermal insulation curtains as well for people who want to spend a little more um, but and we have a lot of tips and resources like that on our website and on our YouTube channel we're going to have uh, a replay available in the next day or so for the web, uh, an energy savings webinar that we just hosted yesterday now, we've been looking at some of the smaller stuff. How about if we're in the market for appliances? What kind of things can we do to make sure we get the most uh, energy-efficient one that meets our needs? So the the focus on energy and Ener- Energy Star is a label that everybody should be looking for, but the Focus on Energy website will actually have detailed information about what's available uh, for you. In addition, um, there are uh, p- smart thermostats are available, and there are discounts available on those uh smart thermostats on the um, Focus on Energy, on energy uh, Marketplace uh, website. Um, so that's another thing to think about. Um, and that, and then the other thing, I mean, for, because these tax credits are available and more savings opportunities are coming through the Inflation Reduction Act, what we're recommending to people is that they should get an energy assessment, an energy audit. So a person comes in, an expert comes in with they do either an infrared camera or a th- or a blower door test, and they they really find out where your house is leaking the most energy. Once and there's a tax credit available for that, and once you get that, you can kind of plan out a roadmap for the projects at, that you can take over the next year or t- year to three years to bring down your energy footprint. Because and there will be savings opportunities th- coming with new rebate programs that will be administered by Focus to help you. 
uh, afford some of these projects. Yeah, can you talk about uh, insulation? Now, say we've had that audit, we see where the heat is leaking out. Uh, what kind of things can we do and what kind of help is available out there in terms of uh, rebates? Adding insulation is such an important thing. I mean, you think about people, um, uh, the, uh, Green Homeowners United, which is a focus, focus on energy trade ally, the way they just like to describe it is, is um, if some, when we walk out into the, into the, into the cold, um, we sometimes lose, feel coldest on our feet and on our heads, right? Well, the house can be the same way. The attic and the basement are so important for shoring up your insulation. And that's, that energy assessment will usually find problems in the attic and the, and the basement. And that's the, that's the place to target for both insulation and air sealing. That, and Focus actually has um, discounts on whether you want to they have a DIY program for those who want to do stuff themselves, but then they also have a list of, uh, you know, energy assessors and certified installers of insulation on their on their website. Tom, we'll leave it there. Thanks again for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much. That's Tom Content, Executive Director of the Citizens Utility Board of Wisconsin. We talked to him about this winter's utility forecast what our heating bills might look like, and ways we could save money on our energy bills over the course of the season. Coming up tomorrow here on Central Time, two conservative legal scholars wrote a widely read argument that former President Trump shouldn't be on ballots because of a provision in the 14th Amendment. That's getting tested in courts right now in a few states, including a couple of Wisconsin's neighbors. We'll check out the argument. You can join in with your thoughts on the idea and your questions. Plus, it's this week's edition of Food Friday featuring recipes and ingredients inspired by Latin American cuisine that covers a lot of ground. You could join in with your favorites right now. Email ideas at WPR.org. That and more coming up tomorrow here on Central Time. Coming up after the news, participation in high school football in Wisconsin has been on the decline for some years now. We'll look at some of the reasons behind that and the impact it's having on kids, schools, and communities. I'm Rob Ferrett. You're listening to Central Time here on the Ideas Network. You're listening to Central Time. I'm Rob Ferrett. Thanks for joining us here on the Ideas Network. The Wisconsin high school football playoffs will hold their level three round tomorrow night with eight teams left at each division level of play across the state. But not every team in Wisconsin was able to finish even their regular season this year because of a shortage of players. For example, Bigfoot High School in Walworth and Waukesha South High School were among those that had to cancel games because of injuries. East Troy High School forfeited their entire varsity season because they didn't have enough players to field a team. That continues a trend of decreasing high school football participation in our state. Data from the National Federation of State High School Associations found that from 2009 to 2019, Wisconsin had the biggest decline of any state in the country. We're exploring what might be contributing to this trend, what impacts it could have on kids and sports, and you could join in at 800-642-1234. Have you seen this in your district, on your team, or your kids' team? Why do you think fewer kids are playing high school football here in Wisconsin? Would you like to see more participation in the sport? Or do you think the decline in football isn't maybe such a bad thing? Join in at 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234. You can also post on the Ideas Network Facebook page. 
Travis Wilson is the general manager of the Wisconsin Sports Network and the football editor of Wissports.net covering high school sports around Wisconsin. Travis, thanks a lot for joining us today. Absolutely. Happy to be on to uh, talk high school sports and always good to talk about high school football. Now, we've mentioned uh, a few different schools canceling games, maybe even their whole season. Are you seeing a fair amount of teams around the state either uh, hitting that point or maybe right on the edge of having enough players to compete? It it has been something that has continued um, for a number of years, actually. There's unfortunately always a couple schools that uh, usually know they're going to have challenges at the start of the year with participation numbers. And at some point during the season, because of injuries, because of ineligibility, whatever it might be, have to hit pause and cancel a game. Sometimes they have to cancel the end of their season. Not something that that you like to see, obviously, but, um, you know, it it is relatively rare, uh, maybe one or two schools uh, per year. There are some schools that that cancel before the season starts, or maybe we'll move from 11-player football to 8-player football. Um, But, you know, teams are trying the best they can, and sometimes it just it gets to the point where you can't field a competitive team. And, and depending on the school, you know, they might have enough players out for football. For instance, in the um, the, the instance of Waukesha South, uh, a large school, you know, mm-hmm. a, a good-sized school with over 1,000 enrollment, um, they had enough players to have a team, but, you know, a lot of them were underclassmen. They did not have a lot of seniors uh, out for football this year. And they play in the best conference in the state, in the Classic 8 Conference, and throwing a bunch of freshmen and sophomores out there against – you know, high level juniors and seniors was not going to be a good situation for them. So they did cancel a game uh, earlier this year. But again, not something you like to see, but it is it is relatively uncommon. Now, I you mentioned uh, not wanting to put those underclassmen in the game. If you're if you've got a track and field team, OK, you don't have enough seniors. Well, you know, those uh, freshman runners might lose by a lot, but that's OK. A contact sport, especially one like football. Are you hearing from athletic directors? yeah, we don't want to put those those kids in if they're not physically ready because they might be more at risk of injury in those cases. That's absolutely the case. Uh, football is a contact sport like hockey, like wrestling, um, where it, it really is tough to have younger kids go out there as 14, 15-year-olds competing against 17 and 18-year-olds sometimes. So, you, you know, you, you don't want to have that situation. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes there's players that are ready for that. But it is, you know, not the norm that you have a bunch of freshmen out there. And again, based on the size of the school, um, especially challenging at smaller schools where it might be a division seven school, you know, it, it is fairly common to have freshmen and sophomores play. Um, it just depends on if they're ready. Now, with the trend like this, I might wonder, is this COVID, except those numbers I referenced went through 2019, showing that uh, that 10-year decline, that was before COVID. I might think, oh, it must be a nationwide trend, but the same numbers show at least some states like Texas are having more participation in football. Uh, I assume a question a lot of people in the sport in the state are asking, Travis, is why? What's going on? Why are we seeing a steady, what looks like a steady decline in football participation in Wisconsin high schools? Well, I think a few important points to note. First of all, the the numbers that were referenced in the article uh, that you referred to are 11-player football numbers specifically. And Wisconsin is one of 27 states that offers a reduced football player option. In Wisconsin, that is an eight-player option that really didn't become popular or really didn't uh, become a, a resurgence until about 2013 uh, when a group of about 16 schools started playing reduced football, eight player. 
And now we're up to about 60 schools playing eight player football. Uh, and this year, uh, excuse me, for the most recent year, which would have been the 2022-23 season, there were over 1,100 students participating in eight player football that are not included in, uh, in the 11 player numbers that you reference. We've also seen declines in overall enrollment uh, throughout the state of Wisconsin. Uh, that's something that you know I've seen a number of articles and a number of uh, concerns over declining birth rates, lower enrollment numbers in schools in general. Uh, so when there's lower numbers in school, it is going to lower the number of participants. And if you look at total high school participation um, in Wisconsin, not just football, that number has decreased since uh, 2009 as well. So there have been some decreases in football. I think if you look at overall participation rate in football between 11 player and eight player, it's not quite as bad as uh, maybe the, the article makes it out to be. Um, and again, Wisconsin is losing uh, young people, you know, having smaller enrollments in schools, whereas other states may be growing. So that does lend itself as well. But in terms of why, there may be lower participation numbers in, in football. Um, there certainly was, you know, a, a, a sharp decline in the mid 2010s. And that kind of coincided with, you know, a, a large amount of press, a large amount of uh, discussions around concussions at that time in the NFL, in college, and of course, in, in high school and youth football. And that scared away, you know, some participants, some parents that decided it wasn't the, the best opportunity for them. There have been some great rules, uh, accommodations and rules changes that have been made over the last decade or several decades to address and improve safety uh, at the high school football level. Uh, you know, many of the people in the high school football realm, you know, say this is the safest the sport has ever been with all the rules, with all the equipment, with all the uh, limitations on contact. Um, but you know, we are seeing some resurgence in participation numbers as well, despite declining um, enrollments in, in recent seasons. Uh, we did see big drops during COVID that had a, a huge impact on, on all sports, but especially football. But we're starting to see some nice uh, improvements and, and nice uh, increases in high school football and youth football over the last couple of years. Talking to Travis Wilson with Wisconsin Sports Network and WISSports.net, looking at the present and future of high school football in Wisconsin. Some teams having trouble fielding full teams, others switching, as he mentioned, and we'll get into this more, to eight-person teams. You could join in with your experiences, your questions, your thoughts at 800 642 one two three four. That's eight hundred six four two one two three four. Let's bring on a caller. Denny is with us in Ogdensburg. Denny, hi. All right, thanks for taking my call. My grandson played uh, high school football in Wisconsin. Left tackle, played four years on a full college ride. Was very good. He could have gone a fifth year, paid for to get a master's degree, and he said, "I've had enough. It's a little bit of a concussion issue for us as parents." He's a four-point student. But he chose his path. But there are a lot of other injuries when you start playing at that level. Uh, you're, in fact, you're injured almost all the time. He, it worked out well for him, but that was his decision to make. And we were concerned about concussions in the mid-teens also. Denny, thanks a lot for the call. Denny's sharing an experience. Well, uh, congratulations on getting that full ride to uh, college. Not everybody, every player is going to get that. But, Travis, it sounds like a family weighing that decision of concussion, going with yes, uh, play football, and, and all the way through college. Yeah, and obviously that's a, a, a decision for parents to to make, not only in high school, not only at college, but also in youth football or youth sports in general. 
Um, you know, there's there's risks involved in participating in sports. Um, I'm a, a youth football coach myself. I've coached youth football for nine years, and you know, it, it happens. Um, there's injuries that happen, just like there are in any sport. Uh, you know, we have great uh, trainers that we work with in our community that uh, that help. Um, we have practice uh, guidelines in place. We have rules within the leagues that we play to try to minimize and, and limit possible injuries. But ultimately, it is a contact sport that uh, it is up to each family and each parent to decide if, if that's something that they would like to pursue. Thanks for sharing that story, Denny. We're talking to Travis Wilson from Wisports.net about a decline in high school football participation in Wisconsin, but maybe some signs of a resurgence. You could join in at 800-642-1234. What does high school football mean to you and your community? Is it still the marquee sport at the local high school? Did you play or watch in high school? Are you on a team right now, maybe uh, getting ready for a playoff game, or is your kid? Join in at 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234, or post on the Ideas Network Facebook page. We'll continue the conversation, maybe hear from you, coming up on Central Time. You're listening to Central Time. I'm Rob Verrett. We're picking up our conversation with Travis Wilson, general manager of the Wisconsin Sports Network, football editor of WISSports.net, which covers high school sports around Wisconsin. We are talking about high school football, some declines in participation over the years, some bounce back maybe post-COVID, some schools struggling to field teams or switching to eight-player teams. You could join in at 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234. Let's focus in on eight-player football. Now, we were ahead of the curve a little bit. About five years ago, I talked to Paul Micklig, head coach and co-athletic director at Newman Catholic High School in Wausau, still there, I believe, about why his school made the change. Here's a listen. When it comes down to it, that uh, there's two factors, and the first one was uh, player safety. Um, with the numbers uh, in our school going down to, uh, we're at an enrollment of 119, um, and we have a couple sports in the fall that we offer. Uh, you know, we were the last year, two years ago, when we were an 11 man. Uh, we had you know 19 kids that we had uh, playing in our last game that didn't have a JV, um, didn't be so you couldn't develop the younger kids, and it just wasn't. Uh, you know, we were taking some hits and hards, and uh, the guys were getting hurt all over the place so we were trying to make sure that safety was our number one priority and how can we get these guys safe we got a caller i think with experience with the uh eight players on a side football andy is with us in central wisconsin andy hi hi how are you good what did you want to tell us about well you know i had a son that's played eight man football now for a couple years in a smaller school and um you know you talked about how it's enrollment versus participation you know you got some schools here that are coming into eight man that have the same enrollment possibly, but you're talking higher, higher participation. You know, you got schools showing up with 12, 13 kids for the whole team playing both sides of the ball, and you want to talk about safety. Then you go to these schools that have way higher participation. These kids are getting killed. I mean, you got you got 45 kids standing on the sideline that are six foot two and 300 pounds, and by halftime it's 40 to nothing, and the smaller school with the lower participation has got more kids, I believe, coming off with concussions and stuff like that i just don't know if eight man you know for them schools if you want to go by enrollment that yeah i you know i get that but you know when when you could play three more kids easily it just it it just makes it you know if it's a safety thing i don't think it really is because i think some of these kids their schools that are having lower participation are getting hurt and i i think them schools that have higher participation 
should be playing 11 man football and not just dominating in the eight man where you have schools that are coming in that just, they just want to play football. I gotcha. Andy, thanks a lot for the call. Travis, a couple perspectives you heard on eight man football. Uh, what are you seeing out there? Well, we've certainly seen an increase in the number of schools that are offering eight player football that are seeing that as an opportunity to continue to have a football program. Uh, that may be a better option for them as opposed to co-oping with another school and continuing to play 11 player football. Uh, it, it really is and in, in was designed for the smallest schools. In fact, the WIAA has a cap and the WIAA is the governing body for high school sports in Wisconsin. Uh, they have an enrollment cap of 200 students in the high school for a team to be eligible for the eight player playoffs. Uh, again, trying to keep it for the smallest of the, the small schools uh, under that 200 enrollment level. There are some schools that participate in eight-player football with enrollments above 200, uh, generally not very far above, um, but they are not eligible for the playoffs. And uh, it it has been a a real great opportunity for schools to continue to offer high school football at the eight-player level. And a little history on that, back in the 40s, 50s, and even into the 60s, there was a high number of eight-player teams around the state. And then when school consolidation happened during that time, uh, schools got larger, um, and they, they kind of phased out the, uh, the reduced player option until it was brought back in about 2013. So it really has been a great way for schools to continue to offer football. Again, it is designed for the smallest schools, and we are seeing uh, generally those smaller schools that are gravitating towards eight player to be able to continue to offer football. Thanks for the call, Andy, at 800-642-1234. We'll go to John now in Darlington. John, hi. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Question for your expert there. Um, What role is soccer having on football numbers? Uh, Is uh, the emergence of uh, the popularity of soccer maybe drawing numbers away from from some uh, smaller and medium-sized football programs? Interesting question, John. Is the uh, the other football drawing away from American football, uh, Travis, do you think? I think it certainly is in some communities. Uh, you know, when you have a small school, a rural school with maybe three or 400 students, um, you don't have a lot of, uh, of uh, boys that, that will play sports or can play sports. And so if you have multiple sport opportunities, it does become a challenge. And, you know, some of the schools that we that we mentioned that had to drop their football programs this year Bigfoot being one of them, East Troy, uh, you know, those are kind of smaller, mid-sized type schools that do offer soccer as an option. And I think that has cut into some of the numbers that they have in football. If you're a school that offers soccer under, you know, 300 or so, you're really starting to spread those athletes thin. And it can be a challenge to uh, field competitive teams where you're talking about too high, uh, you know, number of participants that you need for those sports. You have 11 on the field at a time in both football and soccer and and it's just a challenge to have that many Uh, i think of a school like wisconsin heights located in uh, just outside of madison school that is traditionally about 250 or under 250 enrollment that offers football and does offer soccer and that's one of the schools that has dropped to eight player football with a little bit larger enrollment um, because they they were having a challenge in 11 player football I, i think in part because it's just hard to have that many programs going at the same time. Thanks for the call, John. We're talking to Travis Wilson with the Wisconsin Sports Network and WISSports.net looking at the future of high school football. Some schools switching to uh, eight-player teams, some occasionally having to cancel 
games or even seasons because of a shortage of players. Back to your calls now. Mike is with us in Sheboygan. Mike, hi. Hi. I've noticed that the uh, seasons seem to be uh, longer. I've uh, Our football season started sometime in mid-August, and now they're starting in early August. And I think I think there's a little bit of burnout uh, when you start a football season so early, and, and maybe maybe part of it is, is uh, burnout. Mike, thanks for the call. Have football, have high school football seasons gotten longer over the years, Travis? Uh, the number of games has not changed. The season has stretched a little bit. Uh, going back about 10 years uh, or so, prior to that point, the Wisconsin football playoffs and the end of the regular season were condensed to a point where the the last two games of the, or excuse me, the last game of the regular season and the first two games of the playoffs took place in a span of about 10 or 11 days. And players were playing, teams were playing three games in 10 days. And that was determined hmm. to not be a safe situation for those student athletes to, uh, to have that much contact in such a short amount of time. So to alleviate that, they did push back the start of, or excuse me, up the start of the uh, of practices in the fall. So now they start in the first week in August, as opposed to it used to be, you know, sometime around August 10th, 11th, something like that. So it was done for safety, but it did kind of move up that start date a little bit. And that has been a continued point of discussion, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a challenge for some people. Um, but again, I think with safety in mind, it was certainly the right decision at that time. Thanks for that call. Time for one more caller. Dennis is with us in Two Rivers. Dennis, hello. Hi. I just wonder, as far as there being a shortage because of injuries, how many of those injuries are because of contact injuries, or maybe it's because the players just aren't all that familiar with the move, so maybe they end up with aches or pains or strains that maybe a physical therapist or a chiropractor could uh, deal with so it wouldn't aggravate things. And if there aren't enough people for the for the offensive line, then the defensive players can say one Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> Dennis, thanks for the call. First of all, those non-contact injuries a factor in pretty much any sport. Travis, uh, what goes into trying to prevent those? Well, one of the, the great things that has happened over the last few years is more and more schools are employing uh, athletic trainers either at a full-time rate, maybe by contracting with a local hospital or, or a healthcare provider, or at least having them available more frequently. Uh, when I was in high school back in the uh, mid and late 90s, we didn't really know what an athletic trainer was, to be honest with you. It was the doctor that you went to if you had a problem the next day. Um, and now at many high schools, there is at least one, if not two athletic trainers at, at every game, certainly, and at most or all practices as well. And they've been able to work with, uh, with student athletes and keep them healthy, provide them with rehabilitation opportunities, identify injuries, identify you know, the difference between being hurt and being injured, if it's just a bump or a bruise that you can continue to play through, or if it's something that does require, you know, additional uh, treatment, either with the trainer or with your uh, healthcare provider. Uh, that's been a big, big plus uh, over the number of years is, is more and more schools embrace the, uh, the athletic trainers and, and what they're able to do working with not only football programs, but all athletic programs at schools. Dennis, thanks for that call. And just our last uh, less than a minute, Travis, are you hopeful that we can get more kids involved in uh, school sports, football, and all the rest? Well, I am a huge advocate for education-based athletics, and I love high school sports, obviously. It's my my job and, <laughs> and what so. I do and what I love. 
Yes, um, and we are seeing positive trends. Nationwide, 11-player football participation increased last year for the first time. It was the first year-over-year -year increase since 2013. Again, that's nationwide. Overall football, uh, overall football participation, boys and girls, 11-player and reduced, was up 6% last year from the previous year. So we're seeing good trends. We're seeing good things happen. Uh, high school football is a great experience, and I certainly encourage everyone to, to consider it and uh, make it a worthwhile opportunity. Travis, we'll leave it there. Thanks again for joining us today. Absolutely. appreciate you having me. That's Travis Wilson, general manager of the Wisconsin Sports Network and football editor of WISSports.net. He was with us today to look at why Wisconsin high school football excuse me, participation decreased over a 10-year period and uh, signs, at least at the national level, of a bounce back. I'm Rob Ferrett. Stick around. There's more to come on Central Time. You're listening to the Ideas Network.